Welcome to the King's Island Central Podcast. KICentral.com is King's Island's ultimate fan site. Now, here's your host, Robbie Zerhusen. Welcome to Podcast 20. Joining me is Brad Perdue. Hello. And we have special guest, Brian Kosmak from the Gravity Group here in Cincinnati. Hi, everybody. How so, are you? Good, good. I'm doing well. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like you guys said, my name is Brian Kosmak. I am a structural engineer with uh, the Gravity Group. Uh, we're, we're based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I've been with the Gravity Group for eight years, um, started in 2013, and uh, have um, when I started working here, I actually started working just three days a week and um, quickly worked my way to five days a week. And now I'm never stop working. So uh, that's, that's my kind of career here at the, the Gravity Group. Um, I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so I'm a big Browns fan. Unfortunately, the Cincinnati Bengals are playing in the Super Bowl this weekend um i married a Bengals fan by the way so that's that's been terrific but um i worked at king's island for uh a number of years too and uh through my experience at king's island was able to network myself to the gravity group so do you consider yourself a coaster enthusiast oh yeah i do big time i mean uh i actually grew up 45 minutes from uh, America's roller coast. And, uh, it, you know, it, my parents would take me, you know, when I was seven, eight years old, we'd had season passes. And, and I remember as an eight year old, uh, waiting in line for the world's tallest, uh, roller coaster at the time, which was Magnum XL 200. And, um, just waiting in, in that line, it was about a two hour, two hour line. And, and, uh, I, I think that day, my only time at Cedar Point that year, I, I think I made my dad, my dad and I waited for it three times and it was a two hour wait. So, and I was hooked after that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was, a, it was a lot of fun and uh, I haven't stopped since. Um, some people, you, you know, say they want to be the quarterback of uh, a football team when they get older. Um, as eight-year-old Brian, he wanted to um, design roller coasters. So I kind of knew exactly what I, what I wanted to do at a young age. Well, that's kind of cool. So, yes, I am a, a coaster enthusiast. So what is your favorite ride of all time and why? My favorite ride of all time, I was joking with some coworkers about this. It hasn't been built yet. So, um, and I joke <laughs> that I'm the one that's, that's going to design it. So, you know, it's in my head. Uh, as the as it hasn't been built, but it, in all reality, my my favorite one is um, it, it, I kind of waver back and forth with a few of them. One of my favorites is the the switchback at ZDT, which is in Seguin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And um, what's unique about that ride is it goes forward, and then it goes backward. Yeah. And and I was very you know this was early on in my gravity group career and i remember being with my, one of my one of the owners chad miller and i with at the park and the owner wanted to actually put the ride go through make the ride go through a hundred year old building uh at the park and um 
uh, yeah, my, my boss is like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it. So I had to take a bunch of measurements with him about this old building. And uh, it turned out to be a, a, one of my favorite parts of any roller coaster, especially as you're going backwards through this, this 110, I'm going to get told, I don't remember the banking on that, at that particular <laughs> turn. Someone on the internet's going to be like, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about maybe 110 maybe 112 degree inclined over big <laughs> turn but you're going backwards and then it, it switches it, it unbanks and goes the other way and as you're going backwards this 100 year old building is whizzing by you and it, you kind of lose where you are hmm. uh on, on a wooden roller coaster which doesn't really happen to me very often um for steel coasters, I, I love the Phantom's Revenge. I think that's a that's a fantastic roller coaster. Uh, it's just very fast and and just just so unique how they took an older coaster from aerodynamics and and made it into what it is today. So right. those are my those are my two right now. Um, I do have a, a a love for the Beast too. So and Diamondback, Diamondback is is up there too, but that's more on a personal level as I was one of the first riders of, of Diamondback. Right. Okay. I got to go back to your proposed favorite roller coaster. Has that uh, roller coaster been purchased yet? I can't tell you that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> what years did you work at Kings Island? I started there as a 20 year old in 2001. Uh, and uh, when I started working there, I was hired to be a, it was, it's interesting because I, I was an engineering student at the University of Dayton and go Flyers. And um, I got an internship with a surveying company, uh, a land surveying engineering company in Westchester, Ohio. So I figured, okay, well, I'm driving down here anyways. Why not just see what they have at Kings Island? Um, I think I reached out for other internships with other roller coaster companies. And, and I remember I got a letter back from uh, Premier Rides. I, I wish I would have saved the email, uh, but they said, get a job at an amusement park. So that's what I did. And I assumed that, that I would just work there for, for one year. I get hired on the Beast roller coaster and there's two other rides in this ride pairing uh shake rattle and roll and um the most beloved and missed uh flying eagles um so my my first my first year working there was on those three rides and i thought i was only going to work one year hmm. and ended up working 13 years there wow so it kind of kind of just they kept promoting me uh over the years. And, um, I think I spent six years as the, uh, a ride operations, uh, uh, full-time area manager, uh, in charge of about 700 ride operators. And, um, that was a lot of fun. It was a, a terrific experience. And, um, I don't regret one of any day that I, I, I spent working there. So a lot of fun, got to meet a lot of people, um, and just a terrific experience. So your time at Kings Island was a stepping stone to getting your current job. I don't know if 13 years was a stepping stone. Uh, 
you know, at, at some point I, I thought I was going to work there forever. And, um, you know, things, things didn't, didn't, uh, work out that way. I, I started a family and had kids and, and sometimes the demands of a family are, are different than, than working at an amusement park where you have to be there till two, especially in operations till two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and, and have to get up and, and do it again um, the next, the next morning. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it takes a toll on, on, on the on the, the team there and uh, definitely time you see somebody that's working late a ride operator or, or someone sweeping the midway definitely um, give them a high five give them a compliment um, uh, because it's it's not easy it's not easy it's fun uh, but it's it's not it's not easy so well since you followed your um, email and recommendation from Premier Rides, how did your time at King's Island help you in your career or getting into the industry? I think what, well, for starters, it, it was quite a unique situation how I got my my position at, at the Gravity Group. Uh, the Gravity Group's a very conservative company when it comes to hiring. Uh, we, we don't have many internships. Uh, we, it's, it's, it's just, it's unique, um, especially with our four owners. And one of the, one of the unique things about being an operations manager, especially with Diamondback is a lot of coaster groups, coaster enthusiast groups uh, will come out of anywhere to, and they all, they, everyone wants a tour of the brand new roller coaster Right. Uh, that's going up and, and um, you try to be as, as, as helpful as possible. And, and one of those uh, park enthusiast groups was the Ohio State University's theme park engineering group. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a, a background, I have a master's degree in engineering um, from the UC Bearcats, go Bearcats too, you know, <laughs> get the flyers in the Bearcats. Um but uh, what OSU did was they they contacted me and and it was a little bit okay. I I'll help you out if you help me out. Uh, we're very Kings Island was is was typically understaffed in the in the preseason uh, before you hit the the summer because right. they've got a great amount of uh, employees from. Uh, Mason and Kings and and all around the Lakota school district, but they're all in school. So right. uh, I wanted to, to see if any of the students from OSU wanted to work a week or two, earn some money, um, earn some money for their organization and try and help us out during the days when we are short staff. Right. And in turn, that I was going to give them a tour of Diamondback and, and that's what <laughs> happened. And I had been talking with uh, Michael Graham, who's one of the owners and um, he uh, was trying to get him out to give a presentation. I thought it would be really unique to, I've known Michael for a long time uh, for him to present from a, an engineering side uh, I, I'd give you a room at Kings Island and we could talk about it. Well, 
for my luck, and Michael didn't couldn't make it, and Corey Keeper filled in in his shoes, and and I like the joke that Corey fell in love with me as soon as he saw me, yeah. uh, because <laughs> uh, that was kind of the the you know. I never really met Corey. I met him one other time. And, and um, after that, he, we, we built the relationship of just, just networking. And um, as things were winding down for me at Kings Island, I, I told him, Hey, uh, are you, are you able to, do you have any positions opening? And, and luckily they, they were looking for some help and I was able to, to chase the dream and go do that um how this is to answer your question how has my time helped me in my career at king's Island? well that's number one it got me the job um, <laughs> so that's that's number one number two would be you know when i go i do a lot of traveling to different parks um my niche is is trying to work with older roller coasters to find ways to not reinvent them as a steel coaster, but find, find what maybe an isolated problem is, uh, go in and, and use some high tech computer technology to actually show from a math and science background, what's going on with this section of track that might be running less than, uh, might be running a little rougher than normal. Right. Um, with that, in my experience at Kings Island, I'm able to go to parks and they all have the same challenges. I mean, Cedar Point's probably the same, has a lot of the same challenges as Kings Island. They have a lot of the same structural when it comes to personnel, um, who's who. Even a park, we're doing a lot of work at Park Asterix in, in near Paris, France, and they have you know, the same type of, you know, setup as, as a lot of the parks in the States. So you're able to go in and, and know exactly, okay, the, the landscaping at this park looks phenomenal. You guys do a great job with that. Um, and just relate to them or all the maintenance guys, they all seem to have, you know, they, I enjoyed a lot of the, all the maintenance guys at Kings Island and, um, I was able to relate with them and, and know what their personalities are. And, and a lot of that translates to uh, all sorts of parks all around, all around the world. So that's how it helps me out from a, uh, from my, my time at Kings Island to transitioning to the gravity group. So for our younger listeners who go, man, I want to follow in Brian's footsteps and you know, eventually start working for a coaster company, what advice would you give them to be successful? Oh, uh, for, for starters, it's, you know, it's a lot of luck. Uh, I hate to say that. Um, I was lucky enough to be in a position to a live in a city that has a roller coaster company in it and not have to relocate. Um, and I was able to see face to face with the person making the hiring decisions my biggest uh, advice would be um, try and get a job in the industry at an amusement park. There are plenty of jobs that are needed outside of just designing a roller coaster that are in demand in, in the theme park world. You might not ever get the chance to physically design a roller coaster or work on a roller coaster, but there might be a need for 
some type of, of, of landscaping, civil engineering type of job, um, or I mean, everyone's got some kind of lighting. There's the, you know, one of the theater groups or, or you know, shows at Kings Island is a lot of lighting engineers. So don't sell yourself short. That's what I'm trying to say. If you go to IAPA, uh, I've been there several times as someone on the outside and on the inside. And if you look around, there are thousands of companies and currently they're all looking for help. And um, so don't, don't sell yourself short. You might find something else that you like more than even designing a roller coaster. Um, yeah. Because to be honest with you, roller coasters, as fun as it is, it's, it's hard, it's hard, hard work. So, and then uh, that's the advice I have for any younger listeners <laughs> out there for schooling. I get asked a lot, is it structural or mechanical engineers? I have a structural engineering background, civil background. I do a lot of stuff with the structure, obviously more with the track side of things mm -hmm. where mechanicals will do more with the train um, side of things. At the gravity group, we have two, three structural engineers and that I want to save. Oh boy, I'm going to get more mechanical engineers. I'm not going to put a number because <laughs> I'm going to leave somebody out. Uh, and, and there are mechanicals and civils that have done the ride layouts. So if you're looking to, to go in one direction for a ride layout, I could tell you a lot of the nomenclature that we use in our design programs are based on um, civil engineering terms. So I've got that going for us. So, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I like to tease the mechanicals. I'm like, yeah. that wasn't just a roller coaster term. That was a civil engineering term. And they like, <laughs> just go back to whatever you're doing, Brian. So before we get into talking about the beast, let's talk a little bit about the work that was done on the racer last year. What was your approach and what was the goal that Kings Island had in mind for the racer? This is the first time that the Gravity Group had worked with Kings Island. So it was a very unique situation, especially since, the, I mean, obviously I worked at the park, but, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd be riding this thing, you know, all summer long with my kids. Whereas I've done work at Kings Dominion and, and Dorney Park. And once you you leave that's that's kind of it so this was unique because they're in our backyard literally i i live two miles as the crow flies to the eiffel tower so the park approached us and, and they had you know one little section that they wanted gravity group to to look at and and what that entails is is me getting on the track and using high tech equipment that follows me around i take certain certain measurements of the track and, and measure the geometry and on on how to correct a problem or what they, what they need to do to correct the problem. Well, it started with one little section and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But our approach was, was always the same. It was, okay, we with any read track, and it, it depends on how much, how much money the park is willing to spend and, and what they're doing to correct the issue and, and luckily for us kings island was all in on wanting to do what was best for for the racer and these sections of track and what that meant was we we didn't want to just 
uh, what we call we call smoothing. We didn't want to just smooth sections out. We wanted to try and make sure that they never had they don't get these problems again. Mm-hmm. With with any major retract, the the goal is to for us or for me was not to make anything crazy. We're not flipping upside stuff upside down or anything like that. But using new technology, try to keep the flavor of the ride, the original intended feel of the ride, but enhance it with with the the, the new technology. So right. So how are you able to use today's technology to improve the ride experience on the racer per se? You know, back in nineteen seventy two, John Allen did it all by hand and Tell us a little bit about how the technology plays in with it. I'm going to try my best to to speak to channel John Allen, and but John probably had a few rules of thumb that he used. I mean, the guy designed a, a ton of roller coasters. He didn't, clearly didn't have the technology that we have, uh, so he had to to make a, a few assumptions. And his design approach was basically the same when you're going over a hill. He had certain geometry he knew would work. And, and he kept it that way. And that's just how it was. That's how, how it was with any of these old, older roller coasters. And it worked. It was, it was, it's a great ride. I mean, if you ask Don Helbig, he's been on it you know, one billion times or something like that, you know? <laughs> so um, so it, it, it made a fun ride. But over time, these, these little areas that I'm able to look at um, and smooth out, uh, he John didn't have that type of he didn't have the time to begin with to to devote another iteration to this. What right. we're able to do with hitting your button on your mouse is you're able to change something within a heartbeat, mm-hmm. um, or as as fast as your computer can go. Um, yeah. I've got a new one, so uh, mine's working Uh-oh. pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we'll see once this this podcast call goes dead. That new design's man. coming along quick now, huh? Yeah, it's coming along real quick. But uh, basically, we're we're able to, you know, what what John did from a from a basic geometry terms is he used a lot of uh, circular curves going over his, you know, uh, going over the hills and in the valleys, mm-hmm. and he basically kept one type of radius over that entire curve. He might have changed and used some some other geometry and some other sections. But the changes from you know, airtime to positive G were pretty abrupt. There wasn't much of a transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with, with our technology, we're able to hone in and, and get within, you know, a f- within literally an inch or a foot of where, what, what's going to do at that certain spot and change that arc or that, that geometry at that certain spot to say, okay, this is what we want the passenger to feel. And on the race, you, you, you feel it a lot. Now it's a, it, it, it raises you up out of your seat and then you, it, it, it gently pushes you back down into your seat. Oh yeah. I really enjoy the, it. Yeah. Where in the past it would, you'd still get that airtime, but you would come abruptly into your seat and it wasn't good for the structure just after over time. It just, that repeated hitting um, makes the track weaker and eventually what they call it washboarding, the train will start bouncing up and down in the valleys. And that's when you have uh, a not so fun experience on the ride. Let's talk about the new manufactured wood process that was used on the racer 
Can you tell us how you developed that new manufacturing process and what was the impetus behind it? It's engineered pre-cut track. It's basically, it's Southern yellow plant pine. It's not anything that's, that's, there's not, it's, it's pure wood. Um, Got you. But when you're on a wooden roller coaster, uh, the track is made up of uh, seven, eight, or nine different layers of two-by material. Mm-hmm. And those layers are all put together. They're flat on top of each other. Think of like a deck of cards. Those deck of cards, you're able to take maybe 15 deck of cards. You're able to take the edges of each card and push them in, you're able to bend those cards yeah. in that we, and that's called the weak axis uh, from a structural engineering term. And that's to form the shape of, a, of any, any wooden roller coaster. That's how you form the hills and valleys. You're able to bend the shape of one two by 12 and um, kind of create your crest or your valley And then once you get that in the location that you like, you're able to put more pieces of track on it until it holds that shape through. And then you nail the the living daylights out of it and you hope it's in in the right spot. As an engineer, we're able to give, for a new ride, we give as many dimensions as possible to the field. But then there are expert craftsmen, our trackers, that it's kind of up to them how, how they're going to track it. We can't give them a dimension in between two of the supports or what they, we call a bent. So sometimes you'll, you'll get kind of a jump in the track or a, a flat spot in the track or in a curve of a track where the tracker, he tried his best to get it in the right spot, but sometimes wood doesn't, doesn't bend like that. The new technology, the, the engineered pre-cut track, what we're able to do is, is if you take that same deck of cards and you lift it on, on end, on edge, and you take it and you try and push it down on wider side, I guess, or maybe it's the thinner side, it's a lot harder to bend that. If you go in your basement there and you look up into the ceiling of the unfinished part, you'll see a lot of two buys that are going on your ceiling there. All those two buys are vertical and that is in the strong axis. You can't bend that. So we take that strong axis of the wood. We're able to find the geometry that we want on the track and we're able to cut the track into the shape that we want it to be in. That's how the, the new pre-cut engineered wood works. And it's basically once it gets to the job site, the trackers are able to basically put it together like a puzzle piece and um, it goes down quick. So, wow. Can you compare and contrast the Intamin product? I'm they sorry. have steel coasters, right? <laughs> yeah. We're talking about the wood track. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. I was trying to joke around. I told Chad, I'm like, if they ask me this question, I'm going to say, well, they do steel roller coasters. And we do. <laughs> <laughs> there are some differences. I can't speak for Intamin, but my understanding is they basically put a bunch of wood together before it gets to the job site. And then they route it out 
into the shape of the track. And one of the biggest differences with, with their track and ours is they use these big steel butt joints and, and that's how they attach the pieces of track. So it's basically one big piece, a rail, maybe 10, 20 feet long. And they, they basically Lego block it into itself um, yeah. where ours is basically one individual board a couple different boards um i'm able to pick up a piece of our track with one other guy and, and walk around with it if need be where their track's probably much more heavy and ours is kind of spliced together like like a like a puzzle piece so they're two from my understanding they're they're two very very different products Gotcha. So how will this track help keep the racer and eventually the beast and optimum riding shape? That strong axis I was talking about, when you take that same deck of cards and flat and you start pushing it back together, imagine there's a bunch of little nails in that deck of cards. And as those deck of cards start moving up and down, as force goes over it, those nails will start to, there'll be a lot of stress on those nails. Mm-hmm. Over time, those nails start to lose their strength and you get the flat spots or the potholes, the, the engineered pre-cut track. You don't have any of that stress on the nails. It's all going through the wood. And since that wood is infinitely stronger than the flat track, it's going to maintain its shape for a, a much longer period of time i i couldn't calculate how long that would even last i i think it would the racers in, in good hands on that in that one section for probably as long as i live and i'm 41 is there cost savings and less maintenance work for the park you know there, there's probably there's cost savings in the fact they're not going to have to retrack it over the course of however many years, or they're not going to have to worry about adding additional supports to areas of track that may start to deflect or start to sag. We actually took last year some structure out of the racer. They had all these intermediate supports to help keep the the span where the track was deflecting a lot to keep that in check. We actually removed some parts of that just to kind of simplify the structure and make it easier for maintenance to, to see what's what. And it's, it's not needed with the, the engineered pre-cut track. You can span longer distance and maintain as much, if not more strength. From a maintenance standpoint, that means the nails are not going to get as loose. I mean, it's wood, so there's still going to be a little bit of maintenance here and there. Right. But it, if, if your ride is running smooth, you're going to have a lot of less wear and tear on your trains too. That's one thing. If, if it's, it's, if it's shaking your body, it's shaking the trains too, and, and <laughs> probably doing something to the trains. Um, and it's the same with the structure. It, 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 things, they have to tighten bolts every once in a while, every coaster does. And, and uh, it'll, it'll lower that amount that, that needs to happen there. So that's cool. Yeah. Are there any disadvantages to the pre-cut prefab wood track? The, the only disadvantage that, that I see now is the fact that it, it does take a little bit of time to manufacture it. And especially with a, a retrack project for any part, sometimes they like to, to count how much 
they like to see how much money they have near the end of the year before physically greenlighting a, a capital project, especially one like like the Beast or the Racer. I would consider that you know a pretty big capital project where it's just not routine maintenance. So those decisions can sometimes take a little bit of time away from the, the time needed to cut it. So we're in kind of a scramble to make sure that we're not over promising something and then under delivering because there wasn't enough time frame. That's that's the only negative I have. Like if it was an older, old type of traditional style track, you can the wood could show up and you could just start laying it down immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here it's just it's a little bit different because you, you have to you have to kind of design the track each piece individually. Right. So that's that's the only downside I see right now. As you can see, the racers just it was fantastic last year. The results are are you, you can't argue with the results. They're fantastic. So does the Gravity Group have a bucket list of wood roller coasters they would like to uh, work on? I asked this to a couple of the other owners around uh, in the company, and and they they love shivering timbers. They think the pre-cut track would be perfect for that, which I, I would agree. It's just a big, big airtime hill, big airtime hill after big airtime hill. So that's on one of their bucket lists. Um, <laughs> I, for personally, for me, it'd be the Grizzly at Kings Dominion. Um, oh. I think the ride has a lot of potential. It's showing some age there too. Right. Um, and then Boulder Dash. So um, I've only been on Boulder Dash a couple times. So, and the layout was, was kind of confusing to me, but that was another favorite that, that some of the owners wanted to do. So, mm. but we'll see. And then the beast, obviously the beast. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about the razor project before, before we move on to the beast? It was a great project. It turned out really, really well uh, for us. It's, it's great getting to the park and actually seeing a, a line for it. Even the queue house got rearranged. Um, that some of that was my fault, uh, <laughs> back in the day to accommodate fast lane and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I would never seen the queue as, as full as it was last year, even on, on slower days. Yeah. Uh, and that just means you can ride it more, more than once without getting a, a headache. So overall that's, I go out and ride the racer. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's got some great airtime. I couldn't get Don to say that it was bet running better than what it was in the seventies. Um, <laughs> well, but some know. of that was, some of that was because he, he, the buzz bar, he, he, he liked the yeah. buzz bar better. I'm like, I'm not going to win that. I'm not going right. to win that. So I, there's no way go out, ride the racer and, and enjoy it. So gravity group is currently working on the first drop through the first tunnel and turn on the beast the 540 degree helix after the second lift. What is it like getting the opportunity to work on the world's longest wooded roller coaster? Uh, it's nerve wracking. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, a weird thing to say for somebody that worked the ride, worked at the park for a long time. Uh, it, and it, this is the beast. You, you don't want to screw it up. You don't want to screw it up. That, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and this ride is so legendary and so long. There's been a, a lot of work on it over the years that every day is something new that I found out. You know, I'm like, well, that, why did the old crew do this? What, what was going on here? There's not one minute 
of the day that I don't get a, I usually get a phone call from our construction manager asking me, what do I do in this situation? In other words, sometimes when you take the lid off the, the car, there's, you take the lid up on the car, there's always something underneath it that you, you don't anticipate. And, um, right. And it's, so it's just, it's just nerve wracking. And, and, uh, <laughs> We obsess over it too. I, you hope that it rides really well when it's done. You don't want to lose any of the the flavor of what was one of you know is one of the, the the most amazing roller coasters in the world. You don't want to let the park down either. You want to give it your best, and uh, I mean that's what we're that's what we're doing. But yeah, it's just you just hope with with any of these projects until the train actually physically goes around or you get to ride it on that edge. Right. So I've not been. I have not been a happy guy. Um, I look like I'm a happy guy, but uh, I tell my wife and kids, they're like, you're always on your computer. There's always something else going on. And until that train runs around and we get some data back saying it's looking good, that's what it's like. So let's focus on the first drop. According to the KI blog post, (laughs) you'll be changing the drop angle from 45 degrees to 53 degrees. And according to the blog post, it says the reason for that is to come in lower in the tunnel to provide a proper parabolic arcs. Hope I said that word right. Due to reprofiling of the track in that area. Can you walk us through this and what that means for our riders? One of the challenges there was um, the geometry going down to that drop was it changed from basically no radii to, to a sharp radii within you know a bent or two and like i said with the racer that's just that's what that's what they did mm-hmm. um so we're able to try and smooth that out at least my design numbers have it worked out where you, you start to as you're coming down the hill instead of being thrust down into your seat you should have more of a gentle a gentle setting sitting down which will like like with the racer help maintain the trains help maintain the structure um and hopefully won't change any of the the actual ride experience might actually enhance it as we're going to 53 degrees and, and 53 just landed it landed with just how the geometry worked with the tunnel and what we can do to to smooth over and keep the a gradual change in radius my boss, Chad Miller, actually wanted me to, to take it to 60 degrees. The park's probably not going to want that. You know, when I when I told the park 53 degrees, they were like, I thought they would scoff at it and say, well, that's not going to work. But then as they, they looked at me and said, okay, let's let's do it. I go to Chad, I'm like, we should have gone to 75, you know? <laughs> but some of that's based on, on the train too and the restraint of the train. So as a rider experience, you should get a smoother ride as you, you're heading into the tunnel. So that's that's the first drop. And then coming out of the turn there, you're, we're, we're actually adjusting some of the, the track geometry and center line there and actually changing the banking in that turn from, I, it, I measured it at 35 degrees and, and we're going to be taking it up to 50 degrees. There's still going to be some lateral push there, but hopefully that lateral push will be more gradual and sustained than the current one where you're you're kind of riding to the inside of the seat and then you, you kind of get pushed to the outside pretty quickly. And there was a lot that tunnel um that tunnel is is, is very unique. It gets a lot of gunk. Drainage is is interesting down there. 
Um, so what, what they wanted to do is kind of reconfigure um, how the, the supports are in that area just to get a better water flow uh, down in, in that area. Um, I mean, this past week, I think that's the coldest part of the park in that, that first drop tunnel. It seems like it's about 20 degrees colder. I used to think it was the parking lot, which was the coldest part of the park, <laughs> but it's definitely that tunnel. Nothing, nothing seems to melt down there. It's, it's really unique because as you're coming out of the tunnel, and it's the same with the other concrete tunnel that that's the what they call the connector tunnel. From a civil engineer, you would think you try to make all that concrete uh, flat or with a gentle slope for some drainage. But now they bank this concrete with the bank angle of of brick. As you're heading out of that tunnel, the the concrete is banked about you know 15 to 20, even maybe even more than that. So trying to put new supports um, and new uh, anchors and, and, and put everything down there, it's been a real challenge uh, just because it's, there's no, nothing's level down there. Everything's kind of changing within, uh, within feet of each self. Wow. Um, we, we've done a good job so far and getting everything um, situated down there and um, happy how it's turning out right a tunnel coldest coldest place in the park nothing <laughs> nothing else there no, you so. heard it here first yeah yeah so i mean the, the passenger the only goes in is only in there for maybe a second or two yeah but not when you're working there in the, the dead of february yeah. <laughs> the blog also mentions that the track before the mid-course tunnel will be raised by approximately four feet why is this change being made? I, I work closely with the park. So the gravity group is doing uh, the, the turn, the drop, the drop and the turnout, and then the helix. And I, I work closely with the carpenter team at Kings Island, and they're doing a lot of work in what they call Sycamore Hollow. And they've added a lot of intermediate bolsters and, and layers of track there. It hasn't been a full, complete retrack, but um, they've made some improvements over there um, and the, some of the turns in that area too. In the concrete right before the, what they call, they call it the Coon Tunnel. I don't know what, it, what the real name is of it, um, but uh, that concrete, the, it, was, it's, it was all banked and at a weird slope and the ledgers at that spot were sitting essentially on, on the concrete. If you rode the ride last year, it kind of shuffled around there and, and popped up and down. You're not going particularly fast at that location, but you could still feel your, your body kind of, kind of shaking. So the, the goal there was a, just let's try and get the ledgers off the ground that that was that was the goal of step one and then step two was okay how can we how can we just kind of rebank and, and remove you know kind of move stuff around in that little area without there's some clearance stuff that we had to work through to get you back in the tunnel there and four feet just kind of came to be that number we did the engineering on that handed over construction drawings to the park for them to 
to to put it together and and um, I'm uh, involved with making sure that that area is going to run smooth for opening. But uh, there, there were, the park's working hard on, on all that, that area. There's been a ton of work on the beast. And uh, like I said, it's nerve wracking. Not only do I have my stuff that, that I got to worry about with the gravity group, but also the park, the working with the park stuff too, um, to make sure the best the beast is going to run the best it ever has. Cool. Kings Island closed the beast for multiple days in 2021 and did trap work at the bottom of the second drop. Will there be any changes made to the second drop at all to accommodate any of the changes you've made? Uh, no, it, like like I said in the, the previous question, they, they're changing the, 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 some layers of the track there and adding some additional supports. Mm -hmm. uh, at, at this point, the, the goal is to get to kind of the spot where like at the, the there's like a straight section before that hill that's where the the new work and top two layer work kind of intertwined there you should be feeling a smoother ride that's that's it so. right well, i think that's what most people want mm -hmm. moving on to the helix the ki blog states that the helix crossover will see a redesign and installation of new bents can you tell us the significance of this change? I hope so. It's very tricky to understand what's going on there. They had basically, as you were entering into the helix, there was what we call shared structure. So the ledgers that the, the ledgers which support the track are on the lower part of the shared structure. And then there are ledgers on the upper part. As the, as the train continues to go back into the tunnel there. For this, on the beast, the, the geometry doesn't quite line up, but as an engineer, we like 90 degrees. We like just squares, you know, any, we don't like crazy geometry. And as, they, as the construction team of the beast, when they were putting it together, as the track was shared, they have a lot of the supports were on a different, the, upper track is on a different type of, uh, we call it an azimuth or a different type of trajectory as the lower track. And it, it made for some interesting geometry for the carpenters to try and to put it together. What, what we did was we took it down all the way to the footings and we're going to actually build the, the lower part of it first. The lower part is built first and then we're going to basically put the top part over it and bridge over it. Um, the actual tunnel part, the shared structure, because you're you're in the same trajectory or azimuth from the top and bottom. So those will be you'll have one track above and one track below, just as before. But prior to that, the, the what we call the crossover or the bridge is going to have uh, a, a different different type of look to it because of we're trying to clean up the geometry there. You'll see a lot more steel down into that section as um, we try and as we're putting in the footings down there. Um, there's no new footings. We're using the existing footings, but because of new clearance standards and, and everything, we we've have to rearrange a couple things down there to try and make sure we, we get it all on those footings. So we're, we use a lot of steel channel 
um, and then we'll build the bench on top of that. So it should be, it should be a, a real unique looking structure as half of it's going to be the three quarter of it's going to be the old looking structure. And then you're going to have this brand new um, half steel, half wood and three quarters wood, quarter steel type <laughs> of beefy piece of structure as you're going into it. Right. So is having the tunnel being there at the Helix been a challenge? Not so much because it's been most of what would have been in the way is gone. As we're, we're getting further on into the construction, we're, we're replacing a lot of the, the top two layers of track in that section. And we're actually going to be using some, some newer technology into that, that section too to help create a smoother curve in those sections. Um, and just trying to crane stuff in uh, you as a construction, you want to just crane it up, put it down. Um, our construction team might have to carry more of the material in there. The, the tunnel, the cold tunnel at the bottom of the first drop has just been a, uh, my favorite place in the whole wide world. So that, that <laughs> tunnel, I can tell you, has been a challenge. So Okay, so besides the, that first tunnel, what has been the biggest challenge after that working on the beast? That, that would be it right now. Um, <laughs> the biggest challenge so far for me has been uh, trying to reverse engineer a lot of it and see exactly what what the, the initial designers meant to do and um, and what what I what I want to do. For example, that that turn coming out of the first drop that we're working on. You know, I, I've seen all the design data and. and and everything that the designers had. I've, I've got all the plots and all that stuff and I threw it into our engineering programs and uh, to see what was going on. And, and that that drop, that turn, if, if you remember, it's no longer there. That turn had the walkboard or the handrail on the right side of that turn looked like it was maybe two feet over or a foot over the actual ledger which that's not much of a handrail. And you, you'll see this in, in the helix part of it too. As you're going down banked turn, mm -hmm. the right-hand side, the, the handrail is really low. Now you'd like to have a specific height on the handrail, and, but it kind of makes you wonder why the heck would they have these handrails so low? Did they just build it that way? Yeah. So as I was looking at my measurements, I noticed that there was kind of a, a parabolic arc to uh, which that's an oxymoron it should be a parabola going over the turn there which means they they raised it at some point and and that's that's what they did they they physically raised that portion of the track up to try to help the the, the banking of the turn or, or what um, I think they added different layers of track there too and that's a whole nother discussion is uh, the different tracking methods. Um, we've seen quite a bit there, but it was, it's odd because I was like, well, I couldn't get my design to work out in the section with, yeah. uh, with what I had. So I went back to the old design and I'm like, well, this should be just a straight shot. And here I have a little bit of a, a parabola. Mm -hmm. So I, I took it. You know, I'm like, well, what if I try to, to lower this, this parabola out of it? And I'm like, well, that's probably about where it should have been originally. 
So it's it's kind of like it, it went back to where it was when it first opened. Um, now we're meeting all handrail requirements, and so you you would never know. Right. Uh, but at some point they raised the hill slightly. You would never know it because um, it didn't really feel any different. And now it's 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 going to be a little bit back to where it where it was maybe designed to be. Hmm. But yeah, if you look at the helix, the whole as you're going down that right-hand side, and I've heard stories about how they had to retract the entire helix after its first year. And I'm sure there's some coaster enthusiasts online that can knows exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like they probably had the, they rebanked it. And you'll see, you could see with the old ledger marks that are on the post there. And you could tell that they, 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 they rebanked it significantly after that first year. And instead of having to recut the handrail, they probably just kept it where it was and said, well, no one's going to climb on that side, which no one would. It's, it's banked <laughs> at like 40 degrees. So it'd yeah. be kind of precarious to, with, without a harness in that, that section. To answer your question, that's one of the things that, that's been kind of the biggest challenge, but kind of the more interesting part of it. Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen the entire ride yet. You know, it's it's these are just little snapshots of the the coaster that I see, and kind of trying to figure out what they were thinking, and and uh, that's one of the stories that I have. Like, well, yeah, that's that's what they did. Yeah. So, <laughs> what are you expecting riders to feel after they ride the Beast in twenty twenty two? Like like the race, or just a, a fun a fun ride, a rewritable ride. I mean, not that the Beast wasn't rewritable, but it, right more fun and exciting and to keep the same flavor of the ride, but uh, with uh, less wear and tear on the, on the track and the trains. And it definitely seems like you're really concerned of trying to keep the tradition of the ride itself. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that's concerned about they're going to change so much of it. It's not going to feel the same, but you know, talking with you here over the past hour, it, it definitely sounds like you're trying to keep it as it was. That's the goal. I mean, it's, it's don't mess with the good thing. So, <laughs> so will the track be stained to match the rest of the structure? I, once I don't know. I don't know. That's a, um, that's a park decision. Any type of new wood that's put down, you have to give it a year or two. There's a lot of um, hmm. chemicals in the wood. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to lick the wood, in other words. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of chemicals uh, in this pressure treated wood, and um, it's not best. It's, it can be done, but it's not best to stain it or paint it until a year or two down the line. Yeah. All um, right. Well, that's the decision. Defense, please do not lick the beast when we're don't, on. don't don't lick the beast wood on the track. So <laughs> um, now the, the the wood in the station is is probably doesn't have as much uh, pressure treatment in it because there's rules and regulations that have to be followed for um, for areas in maintenance versus areas uh, that are that see the common people so the guests are there any last details you wish to share about the beast project nope do you guys have any other questions about it i'm not sure did i give anything away i hope i hope king's island doesn't come back and say brian you are done I mean, this is, ner- <laughs> this is nerve-wracking. It's nerve-wracking. Like, what's the park going to say? They're going to listen to it. 
So I don't, I don't know if anyone in construction or maintenance will, but somebody will listen to this and be like, Brian, you, you're not welcome back here. Like, oh, well. But uh, we, we do appreciate um, the park putting so much effort into the wood coasters the last couple of years, because obviously they, they did some work on the beast last year. You guys did a lot of work on the racer last year. Definitely refreshing, at least for the, the enthusiasts of Kings Island who enjoy their wood coaster collection that they take so much care of it. And I want to thank, um, I, I'm going to sound like I'm winning an Oscar or something like that, but uh, there are a lot of people that are behind the scenes at uh, both Kings Island and at the Gravity Group. Uh, especially with the, the engineer pre-cut track, there's a lot that goes into it that, that you don't see, that I don't see. Mm-hmm. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and, um, and literally tears, nerve-wracking, remember that. <laughs> so yeah, I want to I, I want to make sure that they, they get the credit, you know, with any amusement park. The one thing I've learned in my 20 years experience with uh, theme parks is everyone is, is very passionate, about amusement parks if you if you if you work in them um everyone's got a different opinion but in the end when it's all said and done if everything goes the right way everyone loves it here at the gravity group and and at king's island just working with both teams you know our goal is to to make sure that is the best it can be and uh it's been exciting for for our company and uh props to everyone um who's on our team so and the king's island team Thank you. And thanks for your guys for your part in making Beast last another, hopefully another 40 years. So hopefully longer than that. So <laughs> be 81 in 40 years. Oh my God. That, that's a <laughs> You and I'll go, we'll have our walkers and uh, we'll tell them guys to get us on the Beast. And I'm going to tell stories about back in, you know, back in <laughs> 2021 or 22, you know. I, I helped, you know, do that hill. Look all these whippersnappers riding it today. Yeah, well, by then, they, yeah, who knows? You get someone who could, you, know, you don't want to flip the beast upside down right now. <laughs> Boy, I just hit a button there. So I'm sure Kings Island's going to call and be like, we already tried. Okay, I need to be quiet. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brian, for yeah, taking thanks. time to talk with us. Help us better understand the Gravity Group's perspective on the work you, you did on the racer and doing on the beast right now. We are very excited to be able to get on the beast in 2022 and uh, ride what you guys and all your blood, sweat and tears and nerve wrackingness uh, that you've went through. And I'm sure it'll all be worth it. Thank you again, guys. We'll see you at Thanks. the park. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Kings Island Central podcast. KICentral.com is Kings Island's ultimate fan site. For more discussion about Kings Island and other amusement parks, join us over at KICentral.com.